Well, good evening. Here we are, week four, our last week of encountering God through Scripture. And I do, I do want to thank you all for being a part of this course. And I hope that you have grown and you've learned through it. Um, some of the things that we hope has happened as you have learned how to study the Bible using a method is that you've encountered God's voice. We hope that you've experienced deeper spiritual discoveries yourself as you dug deeper into God's word. We hope that you were able to understand the accurate meaning of the text so that your lives can be transformed by the proper interpretation and the application of the text. And we really hope that the scripture has taken a deep hold of your heart and of your mind. And of course, that you fall in love with God more deeply through the study of his word and that you have more passion for his mission and your part in his mission. So we've all read devotionals based on someone else's study of God's word. But I hope you were able to experience how much... Um, deeper and how much more the word grasps your heart and your mind when you study it for yourself, when you go deeper yourself. And you know, for me, I remember more when I study the scripture for myself versus reading someone, what someone else has, um, has taken away from their study of scripture. Um, and you know, Kathy said last week, we won't use this method every day. This is not, you're not going to study this deeply every single day. You will have to decide what your spiritual rhythm is. You'll have to decide how often you want to study um, the Bible more deeply. Now, you may decide, hey, on a Saturday morning for an hour, I want to devote to Bible study. Um, that, might, that might be a good starting point for you. And, and even as you study the Word using a method, your daily devotional Bible reading will be richer because you won't be able to help yourself but to ask yourself some of the questions and to make some of the observations um, through the scripture. You may be doing your daily Bible reading and you may notice, oh, here's a cause and effect, you know, or you may, or you may just simply ask yourself the question, let me think a little bit about who the biblical audience is. So I believe that as you use a method of studying the Bible, even your daily Bible reading um, will become deeper and more rich to you. And then, you know, after you practice this method with these Bible study worksheets, you, you probably only have to use those worksheets a few times, and then, and then it becomes second nature. It becomes second nature that as you study a text, you know what questions to ask, ask to observe the facts, to, to interpret the passage, and to, and to find the application. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to do a little bit of a review, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful. Um, we're grateful to be a biblical community studying the Word of God together. Like, we just want to acknowledge how special this is um, to learn together in a community and to learn how to hear you through the Scripture, Lord. Um, I do pray that each person will have um, gained something from this course. I pray that even tonight... You'll help it all come together in their minds and in their hearts. I pray you'll give me the words to say, to make it clear. 
Um, and I do pray, Lord, before we leave tonight, that we will um, have an interpretive statement and an application statement for the passage that we've studied. Lord, be with us this, this evening. Thank you for every person in this room, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, we want to review. Um, oh, oh, toot. I, to- I showed the answer. Sorry. And I said toot on the audio. Gosh. Oh, man. What was... So we used four questions to take us through this method. What was the question we used for week one? What does it say? We looked at, uh, we looked at observation, observing the facts from the passage. So what would you say is maybe something you took away from that week? Think back, three, is it three? Repeating words. Look for the repeating words. Understanding your audience. Looking at the characters in the passage. Looking for place, time references in the passage. Very good. Okay. What about week two? What's the backstory? What are some of the principles or some of the things you learned week two? The, the, uh, the author's intent, the original intent of the passage. Very good. The time period, what's going on historically, what's going on culturally. Yes. Right, looking at the literary context, what's before the passage and what's after the passage. Very good. Locations. Locations, yep. What about week three? What does it mean? What's the interpretation? Which I think is the hardest week. I do. I think it's the hardest question. Um, you know, what does it say? What's the backstory? Those are just facts you're, you're extracting from the passage or from your study Bible. But this is where the critical thinking skills come in, right? What does it mean? But hopefully as you spent more time in observation, it is easier to reach an accurate interpretation. Okay, anything about interpretation that you remember from last week? Literary genres and how to interpret them. Mm-hmm. Yes. What is the theological principle that applies to past, present, and future? Yeah, very good. Okay. And now that leads us to week four. Application. Tonight we're going to be talking about what does it mean to me? How does it apply to my life, to my situation? Um, You'll notice on the table we have these little bookmarks for you to take home, put in your Bible, and it's it's just simply the four questions and some and some uh, bullet points under those. 
that just will help you. It's kind of a, a quick reference, a cheat sheet for you to take home with you. So make sure to grab one of those. Before we go into our application and talking about principles of application, I do want to give you just a little bit of time to work on your interpretation. Is that good? Do you guys need a little more time? So I'm going to give you about 15 minutes, and you can work, um, maybe you could work for a few minutes individually, and then I'll kind of give you a prompt for you to kind of start discussing that with your table, okay? So you're going to be um, thinking about what do you think your passage means, what do you think the author wanted the audience to understand, and we want you to write your interpretive statement, okay? If you could get your interpretive statement written um, tonight, that would be beautiful, okay? So I'm going to give you some time to work individually, and then I'll prompt you to, to talk together as a table to discuss it a little bit. Okay, if you guys want to kind of start your table discussion, that'd be great. Just sharing. I think we learn so much from each other. And just a reminder, we are co-learners, and there's no embarrassment if we don't know the answer. We're here to learn together, right? Okay. Would you, would anyone be willing to share? Now, let me say... It is okay if you did not get all the way to a place where you feel comfortable with your interpretation. It is okay. Like, it is okay. This is a work in progress. You can continue doing this in the weeks to come. But that would any, I think it is helpful to hear what other people, um, like how, what, they, what work they do and what, what God reveals to them. So, it, so let's just start with the passage in Joshua. Would anyone be willing to read their interpretive statement from Joshua? Or it could just be like, well, we think, you know, I'm thinking it's some, something around this subject, this, this theme. This. Anybody feel comfortable yet? It's okay if we're not there. Okay. Kaylin? Well, you know what? This is the place to be wrong. Like, we're learning. Listen, I wrote one, and it may be completely wrong, and I'm going to read it to you guys in a few minutes. It's okay. Um, mine is, God is with us whenever we go hiding, but it's not hiding. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God is with us whenever we go through hardships, and we do not have to be afraid of anything. Mm. Oh, I love that. Okay, let me try to repeat it. God is with us whenever we go through hardships. We don't have to be afraid because he is with us. That's beautiful. Amazing job. Amazing job. Okay, what about um, our Philippians passage? Or our Luke. Luke, we'll go, we'll go through the right order. Does anyone want to share from the Luke passage what they think the interpretation, the meaning of that text is? It's a little tricky. I'm going to just say Luke's a little, in my opinion, a little trickier. Because you have a narrative and a parable within the narrative, and you can get confused by the parable, and you can forget that it's part of a conversation. Um, anybody feel brave to do that? I can. I kind okay. of wrote something. I started off down a different path. But, That's okay. Um, anyway, um, I think the theological principle applies today as much, if not more, than it did when Herod ruled 
in the Roman Empire. Today we seem to have multiple, if not infinite, infinite rulers who want to replace God's word and rule. Luke 10, 37 reveals trickery and deception with the attempt to lead Jesus away from his God and his truth and his word. Today we are constantly pressured to think, feel, believe anything and everything other than God's truth and word. Ultimately, God wants us to love one another, show mercy and compassion to others. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Great job. Okay. What about Philippians? Philippians? Philippians, we should have no trouble finding someone because so many of you chose to study Philippians. Anybody want to share their Philippians interpretive statement? Oh, Reggie's just waving at someone. I almost... I almost thought you were raising your hand, Reggie. I'm, I, then I realized you were waving at Tyler. Oh, Mallory. Why not? That's what I'm saying. Why not? According to the scripture, we should follow the example of Christ, exalt him. What'd you say? Be humble and exalt him to the highest. Great job. Great job. <clears throat> okay, I'll, I'll read mine. Um, and, and again, I, I don't know if I'm right or not, but here's, here's from my work. Joshua, I said, God is charging Joshua to step into his role as Moses' successor, to be courageous, stay close to God's word, and obey God in the taking of the promised land, knowing that God's presence is with him. And then Kathy had obedience to God is necessary for God's people to thrive. Um, okay. Then Luke, which is actually, I spent more time in Luke. Um, Jesus showed the lawyer through the telling of a parable that he could not justify himself, thus inherit eternal life by obeying the law. By showing him that loving your neighbor means loving all people, not just people in your own religious group, the lawyer would have realized that he has already broken the commandment to love God and love your neighbor. And I just put this as a side note. In reality, Jesus is the good neighbor, and we're the wounded man on the, on the side of the road. Uh, mine are a little long, aren't they? Okay, and then I have for Philippians, um, I just, you know... For Philippians, I said, Paul is encouraging the Philippian church members to live in loving unity with each other, to live unselfishly, following the example of Jesus, who, though God himself, lived as a humble, obedient servant to the Father while on earth. Like Jesus, by living this way, we also glorify the Father with whom we, too, will spend eternity in his glory. So... Keep working on your interpretive statements. Keep in mind that you're looking for the author's um, intent. You're looking for what the author wanted the audience to understand. So you can think about, like, what did, um, what did Paul want the Philippian church to take away from that letter, that part of the letter? You know, what did God want Joshua to understand? What did God want um, the lawyer to understand. So good job. Very good job, everybody. Um, okay, so what if, what if we stopped right here? What if I said, great class. 
Now you know how to study the Bible. Good job. What if I did that? You, if I said, yeah, you'd get the bookmark. You'd get the bookmark. You would get the bookmark. But what if I said, okay, we learned everything. There might be a step missing, right? What would be missing? Yeah. Application. We won't be transformed, right? If we stop right there, we, are, we won't be transformed. Do you know someone who knows a lot about the Bible, but they don't appear to be getting, um, to be re- reflecting Jesus more? They don't appear to, becoming, to be becoming more like Jesus Maybe they have a lot of biblical knowledge, right? But they don't have the character of Christ. Do you know? We all know um, people like that. And, and when we just have the knowledge, we're not a witness to the world. Um, tonight we're going to be in page 15. You can go ahead and turn in your student manual to page 15. And we're going to talk about application. And the book Grasping God's Word says, we cannot apply the Bible without knowing what it means. But we can know the Bible without living it. We cannot apply the Bible without knowing what it means. But we can know the Bible without living it. So does just learning new information and acquiring knowledge change us? No. We have to practice. We have to practice the knowledge we've learned. We have to let the Word of God change the way we think, the way we speak, the way we live. Without application of God's Word, we cannot be transformed into the image of Christ. I'm going to read these two um, verses, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of time to work individually and list the things that you see in these passages um, that the role of Scripture, the purpose of Scripture in our lives. Okay, let me read it. I'm going to give you just a few minutes to make a little list in your notebook. The first passage is 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And then Romans 15, 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. We don't have time to do a full study, but I think we can can kind of pick out some things that we see um, about scripture and the role that scripture plays in our lives. I'm going to give you just, just a few minutes to list those out, and then I'll ask you to share. Okay, what do you notice?
What does the passage say about Scripture? It teaches us what's true. It prepares us and equips us. Absolutely. It guides us. It shows us what's wrong in our lives. Mm-hmm. Hope and encouragement. It's got. It's from God. Very good. Right. That's right. He learned the scriptures as a child. That's a great point. Yeah. That's why we have, that's why we put so much emphasis on our next gen ministry here, right? And on, on parents discipling their children. Very good. Very good. Something I noticed is that these things require a response, right? When the Bible shows us what's true, we respond by acting on it. it. We live according to that truth. When it corrects us, we change our behavior. When it encourages us, we have the courage to move into God's plan and obey his plan. When it, gives a, when it encourages us, it gives us hope as well, and that leads us to peace, right? To responding with peace, with joy. When it teaches us what's right, we do it. Um, and our response to the scripture is how we're transformed and sanctified. So we have to be doers of the word. We can't just be knowers of the word. We have to be doers. We have to be appliers. And as we are in the book of James on Sunday morning, the scripture that just stands out as one that encourages us to be doers of the word is James 1, 19 to 24. And it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are just fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And of course, we know that we cannot obey the word of God without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We know that we have to depend on prayer. We have to depend on the Spirit um, to be transformed. And and to be honest, we need the accountability of our biblical community. And that's one that we probably don't lean into enough. But we have to have the accountability of of a biblical community. And that's why it's so important to be connected to your biblical community. So let's look at the definition of application. Application is the response of the reader to the meaning of the inspired text. It's the response of the reader. And once you understand the principle being taught in the passage from your interpretation, then you can determine how the principle specifically applies to your life. So application helps us to become more like Jesus. And it helps us to live out God's purpose, in our, in the purpose that God has for our life. Um, because we know how. Because we know how. So that's what application does for us. So we're going to look at a few principles of application. And then I'm going to give you some time 
to think about your application and to decide on your application. So let's look at a few principles. The first principle, application flows from the author's original intent, not from reader response. I also call, sometimes I call reader response, impressionistic reading, where you just read it and you just, whatever impression it makes on you. Um, so the question here is who controls the meaning of the text? Does the author control the meaning of the text or does the reader control the meaning of it? So, so it's two choices, two choices here. And I'll just remind you, uh, the author's intent, authorial intent, is the meaning of the text is determined by the intention of the author. The author had a goal in what they wanted the audience to understand. And we know that the author of the scripture is ultimately God speaking through um, men. And the reader response means that the meaning is determined by the reader. So that means that each reader can determine on their own what they think the text means. And of course, for Bible interpretation, for good Bible interpretation, we always choose author's intent. Um, but, okay, I'm going to have to go back. This, this goes into the second principle. So, the meaning will stay the same, okay? The author has an intent, and that is going to be the same. But the application will change from reader to reader. So meaning doesn't change from reader to reader, but application does. Each reader can select a unique application to their life. So your application may even vary from season to season. You could study a passage and you could take away an application, and then a year later, you could be in a completely different place. And, and from that same passage, there could be a different application because it's unique to the situation that you're currently in. And the last principle, application is not seen only in external behavior changes. Um, it also applies to our attitudes, to our motives, desires, intentions, and commitments. And I think it is helpful um, to think about, this helps me to think about application in these three areas. And I've listed them out th three different ways. Um, you may hear people say, no, be, do, head, heart, hands, or my thoughts, my character, and my actions. So the first one, my thoughts. My thoughts and the way I think should be transformed to the mind of Christ um, and align to the truth of the Bible. This is our biblical worldview. As we study the scripture, as we apply it to our lives, we see things through, our, through the grid of truth. Our biblical worldview grows. The second area, my character, right? Now, my character should be slowly becoming more and more like the character of God. And I'll tell you for me, um, when I think about character, one of the things, just to, just to kind of check where I am in my character, um, this is what I pay attention to. I pay attention to my responses to life. What do I do when I'm stressed? What do I do when someone says something to me I don't like? What do I do when I'm in a situation that requires a lot of, like, a lot of patience? What comes out of me? Okay. Am, am I, in, my, uh, in my initial responses, am I becoming sweeter 
Am I becoming sweeter as I get older? Am I becoming kinder? Am I becoming more patient with my children? Don't answer that. <laughs> um, is my defensiveness lessening? I can, I can check my character real quick by how defensive I am. I'm like, mm, when, I, when I respond with a lot of defensiveness, that's, that's showing me something. Is my critical spirit dissipating? Is my graciousness growing? Am I, tr- am I entrusting myself more and more to the will of God no matter what that will is? Am I staying calm and non-anxious in meetings at work? Am I staying calm and non-anxious? Um, how do I act when only my best friend is watching? Those are just some diagnosed, diagnostic questions you can ask yourself as you think about your character. Our characters should be becoming more like Christ. And honestly, that's only going to happen if you're in God's Word, right? And, and you're really growing to be more like Christ. Because to be honest, our character can get it can get worse, I mean, as a believer. We can, we can ignore that part of ourselves. And then the third, my actions, what I do, my behavior. So my actions should be reflecting the will of God and his instruction. Also, just something I was thinking about is your, the application can kind of be in one of these areas, but it could also flow between them. You know, so like I may, my, my mind, my thoughts may change. I may understand something. Um, and I may, like, understand a truth. And then that truth could, yeah, it could, it could affect my character. And then, of course, when our characters um, are growing and are being transformed, it's going to affect our behavior. So I just want to let you know that it could, it could kind of go between those three. And I'm just going to share. I, I said a little bit about, uh, about defensiveness and just my character. But I would say, like, a passage like Philippians, um, I remember thinking about my humility and wanting to grow in my humility. And something that God used in my life um, is feedback. Okay? Um, I wanted to grow in humility, but I noticed myself justifying my behavior and and getting defensive. So when someone approached me, which we're part of a biblical community, it should be completely normal for people to speak the truth and love to you. But... Like, when we think about the biblical community in the Philippian church and probably the biblical community that we experience in the American church, there's a huge gap there. We just don't live the same way that they lived in such a tight community. Um, But biblical community is designed that we actually do hold each other accountable and speak truth. And if we love each other enough and care about each other enough, we will give each other feedback. When we see something in each other, we will, if we have that trust, that trusted relationship. Um, and so I had somebody I had a, um, a trusting a relationship with, and what I noticed is that they loved me enough to give me some feedback, and my initial response would be to explain why I made that choice. Because I felt like if I just can explain to you why I made that choice, then you'll see that I'm right. You'll see that, I, that, that that was a good reason I, I made that choice. And so at that time, this is my application, okay? And one of my points is that they need, your application needs to be specific. Like if I just say, oh, be, I'm going to be more humble, you know, I don't know, am I really able to hold myself accountable to that? But this specific um, 
application it was, and I still do this, I still try to practice this, and if I don't, I want you to confront me. But when someone gave me feedback, um, my, I want my initial res- response to be, thank you so much. Like, I, that means a lot to me that you would love me enough to give me that feedback. And then I'm just going to believe them. I'm just going to believe them. Like, I'm not going to be justifying in my mind why they're wrong and everything. So that is still an application I try very hard in order to grow in my humility. Um, And I do just want to say that if you're not receiving feedback, you probably are not growing. Okay? Because we have blind spots. We all have blind spots. We don't often see the way other people experience us. And, in, and until we're, like, brave enough to ask the question to someone we trust, now, we do, I do think you have to have trust with the, you have to decide who are those people in your life. But, like, Suzanne, I might come to her after a meeting, and I might say, like, how did you experience me in that meeting? Like, did you notice that I was impatient? Or, like, I want you to tell me the truth. So until you can, like, be brave enough to want to know, because, hey, listen, there's a lot of times I don't want to know. Like, I know I talk too much in that meeting. And I don't want to know because I know, right? Um, but that's just a little encouragement. Like, I really want to encourage you to be a seeker of feedback because that is how you're going to be transformed. Okay, enough of that. I'm sorry. Um, now we're going to look at a few practical steps. And these are in your workbook. Now, you may not need all of these steps because you might do your observation and your interpretation, and then the application may just be so obvious to you. You may just know exactly what the, interpre- uh, what the application is. But in case your passage is more complicated, um, I would say like maybe historical narrative is, could probably be like the letters in the New Testament. It's going to be easier to get to an application there because there's a lot of be statements, like be humble, you know, those kind of things. But say you're reading the Old Testament and it's a little more complicated. Here are some uh, steps, okay? These are on page 16 in your manual. Uh, The first step, answer the question of how the author wanted the original audience to apply the meaning. Like what would the application be for Joshua, the lawyer, and the Philippian church? So asking yourself that that question, what would their application be? Um, Number two, if applicable... Select a situation in today's culture that parallels the biblical situation. So remember the first evening we talked about Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we talked about how that was one of the most misinterpreted uh, verses in the Bible. So let's think about that. Okay, what is a parallel situation to the context of, of that verse? Now let's remember Paul wrote that while he's in prison in Rome. He's suffering for his faith. He's in prison because of his faith. He says he's learned to be content with much and with little, and he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. So persecution is present. Suffering is present. And Paul knows that through Christ, he has the strength to go through anything. So that's the context. So a situation today, okay, This is the situation I came up with. You might come up with a much better one. But I thought about um, a college student who's in a a course in college. 
And because of their faith, because they've somehow revealed to the class that they're a believer in Jesus, they face some ridicule. They face maybe the mistreatment from their professor. Maybe even their grade can be affected if they're not willing to, um, to conform to the, to the professor's beliefs. So that would be a situation where that student would read that passage and would say, you know what? I can get through this. I can endure this um, because Christ will give me strength. So that's an example of a possible parallel situation. Um, Now, the next one is similar, but not exactly the same. It's contemporize the passage. Retell the passage today, like to a contemporary audience. And I was thinking about the Luke passage, and I was thinking about the parable, and I was thinking about who are two groups that have this tension. And so I contemporized the parable, and I'm going to read it to you, okay? All right? I'm halfway serious, and I'm halfway, like, being, trying to be funny, okay? Y'all know that about me. All right, I'm retelling this parable. Traveling down Highway 280 between Tuscaloosa and Auburn, a young man proudly wearing red and white with a hound's tooth hat on and with an Alabama flag waving proudly from his car had just left the Auburn-Alabama game. When he became broken down on the side of the road, he was alone and scared. Some robbers came by and beat him up, took all of his money and his cell phone. He needed help. A car with roll-tied bumper stickers all over it (laughs) saw him and moved into the far left lane and just kept going. Then the Alabama band bus carrying the million-dollar band saw him, and they sang, Yay, Alabama, loudly as they passed him by. The third car to approach the wounded man was covered in orange and blue and tiger stripes. The front license plate said War Eagle, and the back plate was a personalized plate that said, I love AU. He saw the man in the hound's tooth hat with the roll-tied bumper stickers and felt compassion for him. He stopped and picked the man up and put him in his car. He bandaged his wounds, gave him some water and Advil, And today I learned he should also have food with that when you take Advil. I didn't know that. I I have to add that in. He drove him to the nearest hospital and took him inside. He stayed with him in the waiting room for six hours until they were called back to a room. He stayed with the man until the doctor came in and put him on a treatment plan and then gave the front desk his credit card and said, just charge it all to me. Who was the good neighbor? (laughs) Okay. Sorry, I just had to do that because when I think about Jews and Samaritans, sometimes I think about Alabama and Auburn fans. (laughs) Okay. All right, so that's contemporizing the passage. Okay, next, identify the general application for all believers, for all Christians. 
Um, Philippians 4.13, it could, it, it's God will give the believer the strength to get through persecution and suffering that comes because of our faith in Christ. That's like the general application for all believers. Um, and then select a specific application of the passage to my life. And this is where you make it specific to whatever your situation is. And then lastly, make a specific be, think, or do application. So when I'm mistreated in my college class, I won't let it discourage me. I'll ask Christ to give me the strength to endure the persecution that I'm going through. I can do all things through Christ. Okay, so I want to I wanna encourage you to make your application specific. Um, and there are some questions in your book. I'll read those really quickly um, that you can kind of read through. It says, is there a character quality I need more development in? Does my thinking need to change? Where does my mind need transformation? Does my behavior need to change? Is there something I need to do in my spiritual life? Is there something I need to eliminate in my thoughts or in my behavior? So I want you to just take some time give you about 10 minutes. Oh, the questions are here on my slide as well. And then I do want you to finish, finish up application with writing your application statement. So it would, if you're studying Philippians, it would say, from my study of Philippians 2, 1 to 13, I will, and fill in the blank. And if you have any questions, Kathy and I will be walking around. Yes, ma'am. That's right. They're probably very similar. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you can, you can look at your Bible study worksheet. Put your answers there. Yes, thank you, Charlotte, for bringing that up. And by the way, we do have some blank Bible study worksheets there on your table that you can take, and we did send you that PDF too. Okay, very good, very good, very good. All right. Well, were you guys able to get to the application statement? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, we're running a little low on time, so we won't share our application statements because they may be very personal. You may be talking about your road rage <laughs> on 485. You may not want to share that. Um, I know, I heard y'all. That's why I said it. <laughs> um, hey, I, I saw this quote, and I loved it so much. Um, and it's Kevin Van Hooser. It says, the church is a communal performance of the scriptures. Think about that. The church is a communal performance. <laughs> Did you say that's terrible? Oh, it's terrifying. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The church is a communal performance of the scriptures. The church, the sum total of those who bear the name of Christ bears the responsibility of bearing, indeed of being the Word of God. Whew. The, the reason that that stands out to me, now you guys know I'm called to church ministry. <laughs> so that I have been in church ministry since I was 21 years old, and the church is just an, or, is an organization that I love. I, it is the only eternal organization. It's the only thing that will last forever, right? It's the only organization that will last forever. And I think a lot of times we think about our individual walk with Christ, 
But we don't think about our group identity. We don't think about this biblical community. Um, like we're, we're on a team, actually, right? And, and so it made, me, it made me think, what would happen if the church, all believers, studied God's word, understood the meaning of it, and we all applied it to our lives? Like what an amazing living testimony that would be to the world. So I just wanted to bring that up. Back to the importance of biblical community and living as God's people. I want to lean more into that identity. I am a member. I'm a part, I'm a part of a people. I'm God's people. Okay. On your table, you'll see an index card. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be courageous. People who study Joshua, am I right? Be courageous. I want you to be courageous. I don't want you to be so courageous that you put your name on the card. We're not going to be that courageous. But I want you to put your interpretive statement and your application statement anonymously on this card. And really the purpose is just Kathy and I would love to see how this course um, has, like what what it has, maybe the fruit of it. and it's okay if it's okay if you say on there, I'm not sure, but I think it has something to do with this. Um, oh, Kathy. Yes, that's a great idea, Kathy. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. Please put this. We could probably figure it out, but it wouldn't hurt. If you guys will take just a few minutes to do that. Um, and then we're going to start passing out the bookmarks. Um, Chris, where are the book? Oh, Sarah has the bookmarks. Yeah. Michaela, Sarah, and Kathy are going to start passing out the bookmarks. Hey, awesome. Hey, um, actually, Chris Porter just left the room, but I'm going to introduce you to him in just a minute because he's a leather artist, right? He's the one that made these bookmarks. So um, we, like, Love them so much. We're so excited about these bookmarks. So make sure that you got your bookmark tonight. If you took the Old Testament course um, and you didn't bring your bookmark tonight, no worries. Let us know. And Chris also made those who have gone through two classes now, um, Old Testament and, en- and Encountering God Through Scripture, he made little um, key chains. So if this is your second course in Academy, make sure you grab one of these before you go. Okay. This is Chris, yeah. I, I said I wanted them to see who you are. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to spend just a moment debriefing, okay? I want to ask just a few questions. Um, the first question I want to ask is, what has been the most helpful step or study principle for you? What has been the most helpful step or study principle for you? The backstory. backstory. Yep, very good. Looking at the backstory. Application. Yeah. How am I going to put it into practice? Yep. Dan? I'd like to bring out that I still apply as a reader, so I 
right? Making sure that you're interpreting it based on the original audience, the biblical audience. Very good. Campbell? Ten beat you to it. Okay, very good. Yep. Yep. Using the cross references in the study Bible and probably the study notes and the book introductions. Yeah. What, Ty? Yeah. Yeah. Use it. Yep. Very good. Very good. Anything? Oh. Yeah. That's right. The application changes based on your what you're going through. That's right. It's living. It's always speaking to us. The Bible is never not speaking to us. Oh. The element of interpretation, bridging the gap between the biblical audience and us. Yeah. Like a real trigger. Yes. Bridging the gap between the original audience and us. Yeah, if we think about, I mean, even the Philippians... Uh, even the Philippian church, like the difference in our cultures, you know, and, uh, you know, the Old Testament, um, the Israelites as they're about to go into the promised land, like, yeah, looking at the differences between the audiences then and now. It's great to ponder that and think about that. Anything else about, um, oh, Vicki? Mm-hmm. One thing that really struck me is when I would read something in the Bible, I would just start digging in the commentary. Oh, yes, yes. Right. Yeah, you're not studying this scripture yourself. Did y'all hear Vicki? Okay. Yeah, and, and it's nice to look at those commentaries to see if you're on the right track once you've done your work, right? Once you've done your work, then yeah, you could look at some commentaries um, and, and see like, am I like off? You know, am I really off? Um, yeah, same, same. I just love a method, you know, uh, because it makes me go deeper. Because as I shared, I think the second week, we all want to go to application, <laughs> don't we? Like we want to read it and just apply it. Um, and there's just, there's a richness in digging deeper and spending t- more time and, and going slower. Um, what about the scripture that you studied? What encouraged you or taught you through the scripture using this method? Did you see something that you, you might not have noticed without using a method of study? Okay, Dan. Very good. By reading two translations. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else? What would you say is the benefit 
to going beyond just reading a devotional and digging deeper yourself, digging deeper into scripture for yourself. What's, what's a benefit? Mm-hmm. The thought process and the application. Yeah. Yeah. And we're using those critical thinking skills, right? And that's leading us to, it, to the application that God wants us to find. Yes. As awesome as devotionals can be, when you study the scripture yourself, God is speaking to you, directly to you. Mm-hmm. Yay. That's beautiful. Can you imagine if we're studying the scripture and, and we are living out the application and people around us can see it happening? That's beautiful. Oh, Amber. That's right. That's right. You experience him changing you through his word and you and you see that it's true. Yeah. Very good. Okay. let go of all of his divine, not all, he let go of some of his divine privileges to become human. No, not his deity. Absolutely. That's right. He's still fully God and fully man. Yeah. Well, thank y'all so much. We really appreciate it. Kathy and I are going to read your cards and we'll probably send a survey out and just ask you for feedback because we are feedback seekers, right, Kathy? (laughs) And we want to know, because we want, we want all of our courses to get better and better and better. Um, and I will just make a little advertisement. Um, in the fall, starting September 12th and 13th, we will have the following courses in Academy. We'll have a Discovering Jesus course, and that's going to be like kind of a basic Christianity course. Uh, we'll have our Old Testament Redemptive History um, People who have taken Old Testament redemptive history will be able to take New Testament. Um, so our Old Testament students will move on to New Testament, and then we'll have Ruth and e- Ruth Esther. It's a full year study, one book and then the other, a life of influence. Um, and then I also want to remind you that we do have an Israel trip. Academy's going on a field trip. We're going to Israel April 2nd to 13th, 2024. Some of you have already signed up. You can get more information at this website. Um, And I think that's all. I'll pray. And thank you again. Congratulations for completing Encountering God Through Scripture. Father, thank you so much for these faithful men and women. We are so grateful for what you taught us. Continue to change us through your word. Continue to help us be doers 
of your word. Continue to help us develop um, to align to your mind, to align our characters and grow our characters to you, um, Lord, and for, and for us to live out your plan for us um, in obedience. We want to be an obedient, humble servant, just as we uh, learned about the example of, of your son. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the glory, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.